For sports content from the biggest leagues and competitions across the world, look no further than Reuters Connect, Reuters online news content platform. Reuters Connect makes finding the sports content you need easy, whether it's in-depth reporting from Reuters journalists or access to video highlights from around the world. Bring the world of sport directly to your workplace with Reuters Connect. For more information and a free trial, visit ReutersConnect.com. Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week, we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rulemakers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports professor Rick Haro, and we are keeping score inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. Baseball's back, basketball's nearly back, soccer's back, hockey about to be back, football talking about being back, and college football considering whether to be back. Clearly, the pandemic is not at the back end of the hump, but sports recovery dominates the headlines, and so will we in deal-making 3-1. to one. Three. The Blue Jays will save a little bit of money by playing in Buffalo. They won't play their home games during the abbreviated Major League season at the Rogers Center by the decree of the National Canadian Government. And Sportico reports that an unintended consequence of that decision will create a tax windfall for Blue Jays players, according to a New York-based sports tax accountant. With 30 home games being played at a AAA ballpark in Buffalo rather than Toronto, the players will pay payroll taxes at a U.S. federal rate of 37% rather than the 53.5% national rate in Canada. They'll save a little bit of money there, says Robert Rayola, director of sports and entertainment at the accounting firm of PKF O'Connor Davies. Additionally, Blue Jay players say we'll have to pay a 9% New York State jock tax. But as Rayola noted, if you pay 37 and 9, it's still better than 53. Well, yeah. While Blue Jays players would have paid Canadian tax had the season unfolded as normal, American athletes aren't charged a reciprocal jock tax by Canada and that's number three. Two. The COVID-19 crisis appears to be accelerating the cord-cutting trend. And while you might think that being stuck at home would actually increase the demand for broadcast and cable television, new numbers from Roku reveal otherwise. According to Roku's annual cord-cutting survey, about 32% of U.S. TV households do not currently have a traditional pay TV subscription, and another 25% describe themselves as cord shavers who cut back on their pay TV service. What's more, 45% of cord shaver households indicated that they were likely to completely cancel their pay TV service in the next six months. While we entered 2020 with significant momentum around cord cutting, we're now seeing that the COVID-19 pandemic and the pause of live sports has caused consumers to rethink how they access home entertainment and what they're willing to pay, said Roku Chief Marketing Officer Matthew Anderson. While this is good news for streaming platforms like Roku, the true underlying cause should give them pause. It's likely that the large numbers of people planning on canceling their cable will do it out of financial necessity, not a new TV consumption mindset. One. Deal-making number one. The International Olympic Committee, the IOC's financial statement for 2019, has revealed a surplus of $74 million, a record for a non-Olympics year, according to SportsPro. The IOC has talked about how to deal with this issue 
for a while, and they've attributed the improvement to a fair value increase in its financial assets, which grew by $82 million to reach about $4.7 billion at the end of last year. Income for the year stood at $159.6 million, compared to $27 million in 2018, when the IOC recorded an operational deficit of about $20 million. The results, which account for the period prior to the COVID-19 pandemic outbreak, once again demonstrates the value of the IOC's Olympic Partner Worldwide Sponsorship Program, which brought in about $548 million in revenue for 2019. The IOC's total assets at the end of 19 stood at $5.3 billion, up from $4.1 billion for the previous year, and the financial performance is in stark contrast to 2015, the equivalent year in a four-year Olympic cycle when the IOC reported a deficit of $326 million. The IOC's financial results suggest the Lausanne-based organization is in a strong position to mitigate the pandemic's financial impact. And that's number one. Well, let's talk baseball in a way that you may not know. Obviously, Major League Baseball is back, minus crowds. What about minor leaguers? There are thousands all over the country looking for certainty about when they can get picked up and when next season starts. Minor League Baseball, as we know, canceled their season. Then there are the folks that went to minor league camp with contracts and are still looking for them. Mitch Horacek is somebody who's had significant potential, but he was the ninth round, 279th pick by the Baltimore Orioles in 2013. He's an engineering and finance degree holder from Dartmouth, so he'll get by. One of the things that's very interesting with him, he was assigned to the Minnesota Twins February 23rd and then assigned to the Pensacola Blue Wahoos on April 1st, 2020. Assigned is the key word because obviously he's looking for work like everybody else. So let's get a new perspective here from Mitch Horacek. From Colorado, and he has an interesting story to tell. Mitch Horacek, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me, Rick. Absolutely. So uh, you're, you're, are you at home in Littleton, Colorado, sitting out the pandemic? Where are you now? I'm actually in Breckenridge, Colorado, not too far away from where I grew up. Um, my family, my grandmother has a house here in Breckenridge, and so that's where I've been holed up for this pandemic with my girlfriend. Um, we've just been hanging out here, doing the best we can uh, to stay busy, to stay sane, just like just about everybody else. Everybody else, too, although I got to tell you, although I'm in Palm Beach, so maybe it's a little bit of a pot kettle, but it's hard to generate a whole lot of sympathy for somebody that's sitting out in Breckenridge, Colorado. But you know what? Everybody's got to do what they got to do, right? That's absolutely right. And Palm Beach is not too bad itself. So No, uh, you're, you got it. So uh, let's talk Let's talk the baseball story first. You started at Ripken's, Ripken's Stadium in Aberdeen. Is that, is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, Cal Ripken owns that stadium. So what's the long-term goal? And, and, and technically, who, who's, who, is, uh, who is your contract with now? Are you a free agent? Um, so I'm with the Minnesota Twins right now. Um, like, I, like you said, this is my eighth season, uh, seventh spring training. So I had my first uh, few spring trains with Baltimore, and then I had – a couple of years with Colorado Rockies, and I signed as a free agent this in last November um, with the Twins. And so I was in spring training with the Twins when the pandemic hit on March 13th, and they shut everything down for baseball. Where were you going to go? Where did you think you were? Were you going to AAA, AA? What was your story this year? I was I was very likely going to go to AAA. I was with the Twins. I was with uh, what they call depth camp. 
So I wasn't invited to Major League Spring Training. However, I was at all the games. Uh, I pitched in two games for the Major League team in spring training. Um, you know, I was there basically to, uh, you know, pick up innings that were got kind of ugly for the Major League guys that were scheduled. So, you know, I was fortunate enough to get a couple of touches during spring training before it got canceled. Um, I was very likely going to go to AAA and be a reliever in the bullpen there. Got it. So, you know, everybody, athlete, non-athlete, uh, first responders, everybody else has particular stories about what happened when the pandemic shut it down for them. Uh, some had more certain jobs than you uh, were looking toward. But how, how do you how do you look back at the canceled eighth season now that we know officially that minor league baseball will not play this year? Yeah, I mean, it's it's devastating for not just me, but, you know, minor league baseball players at all levels. Um, you know, it's it's really hard because the your baseball career is so short. I mean, in in terms of, you know, other careers across, you know, like everybody, you know, that everyone else has it, baseball is extremely short. I mean, I've been playing this is my eighth season, like you said, and I've had a pretty long professional career by uh, most standards and to lose a whole season uh, especially for me as a 28 year old is is pretty devastating considering the time that you put in in the off season uh, to get ready uh, it's just it's it really sucks but and that's not to take away from you know all other people in the United States and across the world that are losing out too I mean it's just devastating across the board well so all right so this is a business show and it's an interesting business perspective for you I, I you know if i called you a journeyman you would come and hit me over the head with a bat so we won't do that <laughs> but but if i if i were if i were to call you a you know seven year to be eight year minor leaguer that's a that's a legitimate perspective uh what is your what was your or is your business plan is it couple more years up and out you're done when they tell you you're done I mean what what is how, how does someone like you in your situation approach the next few years that's a good question I mean I, nobody really wants to be an eight-year minor leaguer when they sign their contract you know after the clearly draft. right um, you know everyone has the goal to get to the major leagues I mean that's that's always been my goal too I mean it's much easier said than done honestly I mean there's there's all sorts of uh, obstacles in a ball player's path to get to the big leagues. Um, you know, I've always said that, the, like, I, I love baseball. And I've always said that I, I would continue to play minor league baseball as long as I can do it financially, um, emotionally, physically, you know, all the above. As long as I want to, want to keep playing, I'm going to keep playing. And at the end of the day, I just love to compete. I mean, there's nothing better than, you know, competing against some of the best athletes in the world that, you know, put their, pour their heart and soul into, you know, what they do. Like, you know, a home run hitter wakes up every day trying to become the best home run hitter that he can. And, you know, the feeling that I get when I can get that kind of guy out is unmatched in any, you know, any other field that I've found so far. So, you know, I just love to compete and that's what's been the driving force behind my career, albeit eight year minor league career. Well, but you have a perspective, I think, that not too many other people do with a fully canceled season, which is a, uh, you know, Dartmouth education. You're 28 and Ivy Leaguer. So I assume that gives you a little bit of a safety net and gives you some perspective on what you might want to do in the future. Yeah, I mean, I do have an education. Um, I, I feel as though, you know, I could, I could use it at any point um, going forward after my baseball career is over. And, you know, for that reason, you know, I, I'm in no hurry to or I have been in no hurry to exit baseball. You know, you can only play baseball 
while you're young. And I, I recognize that I could, you know, I studied engineering and economics at Dartmouth. And so I could, I realized that, you know, I could be an engineer or I could be an economist or, you know, financial advisor, whatever, um, in the future. And so, and there's no hurry to that. And for that reason, you know, I've, I've continued to play ball, you know, not really use my degree. Well, but it, you have the luxury and flexibility not to, not to many other people have, uh, uh, unless you're the, you're the smartest guy in the room. There, there is no, there is no, uh, uh, pitchers, it is, it's DH in the minors, right? So pitchers don't bat. So, so nobody's going to throw at you, which is a very good thing, probably well, for, I, actually, for a Dartmouth guy. You know, I do have a couple ABs in the minor leagues and I will, I'm not very proud to say it, but both of them ended up in strikeouts. Uh, I, I did, I did foul a couple balls off, but. Oh, yeah, so, I, you're I, for, so you're over, so you're over for life as a professional baseball player. Yeah, Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Well, you know what, that, that's really that's kind of not what we, what we want to talk about, but the, the whole idea, and then we'll get back to kind of what are you doing. Give me your perspective on, on, uh, on what, what it's like for a, for a normal, uh, normal a, a minor leaguer today who is an uncertain future, who doesn't have a very clear path to the big leagues, or at best it's uncertain, and yet the 2020 season has been canceled out from under them. What, what's, the, what's the feeling generally? It's the, there's a lot of anxiety. I mean, the uncertainty, it's, it's a very, very tough time to be a baseball player, minor league baseball player right now um, at any level. I mean, the guys that just got drafted, um, you know, it's, it's uncertain if they're going to get any development this year. The guys like me, you know, older guys, um, you know, I, I'm sitting here wondering, is this the end of my career? Right. You know, there's uh, plans to cut a whole bunch of minor league teams. I think it's around 40, 42 at this point next year. Yep. So yep. there's going to be far fewer spots available. Um, you know, we don't even know if there is going to be a minor league season next year. I mean, there's just so much uncertainty and, you know, add that on top of the fact that minor league baseball players don't make a livable wage at this point. Um, you know, it's really tough. It's a really tough situation. I mean, most of the guys I know are either living at their parents' house or, you know, and it's tough too, because, you know, it's a pandemic. So it's not like you can go out and get a, a, a good job right now. Um, to, regardless of what kind of skills you have. Um, it's just a very tough spot to be a minor league baseball player right now. And most of the minor league baseball players I know are, you know, at home scratching their heads, trying to figure out, you know, how do I support myself um, until next season and beyond. And then there's Mitch. So a good segue into the uh, project, the device. Why don't you tell us about kind of what you've been doing in your spare time here and, and uh, you, the idea you've come up with? Right. Well, so every off season, you know, we have, I have a good amount of free time. Um, you know, it's a lot of people don't understand minor league baseball players. It's a full-time job. Um, you know, you, you have to stay in shape. You need to lift, you need to eat well, you need to sleep well. There's a lot that goes into being a minor league baseball player, a professional baseball player in the off season. But you do have a fair amount of off, like, you know, free time. And so I have, you know, every off season I've, I've taken up a different pursuit uh, to try to support myself, to try to like develop myself um, outside of baseball. And this past off season, I decided to take up code, uh, computer coding, uh, just because, well, for several reasons. One, computer coding is, is completely remote. Uh, you could do it from anywhere. Um, it's, it's infinitely scalable. So, you know, you can, you can do it from anywhere. You can scale it infinitely. It's just, it's just a very uh, uh, job that allows for a lot of freedoms. And so I started, you know, serendipitously, I started teaching myself how to code online uh, this past fall after the minor league season ended. And when the pandemic hit, 
uh, I saw an opportunity to um, build websites. So I started a, a web development company with another minor league baseball player. His name's Anthony Shu, and he's he's in AAA for the Cardinals. And I came across him just by the luck of the draw. I came across him on Twitter, and you know he's a pretty good developer. And you know I had a lot of uh, leads that I generated, you know, just by being active on Twitter. And so I, you know, very like the luck, just by chance was able to start uh, a small little web development agency. And we call it In the Zone Development LLC is, is our little company. What are you doing? So we specialize at the intersection of baseball and the internet. Um, you know, as baseball players, we just we, we understand, you know, what, what a baseball website should look like, should feel like, you know, what you say. So we've got contracts, all sorts of contracts. We got um, a contract with an, a new independent baseball league sprouting up. We have a few smaller contracts with, you know, coaches that have – they're, they're doing online, you know, baseball coaching for, you know, you know, young kids and high schoolers. And then we've even got a contract with a baseball bat company that's starting up. So we, we've got all sorts of baseball, you know, meets the internet job. Uh, interesting. So is this a future career? Is it an asset as you build your career? Is this life after baseball or what's the goal? Yeah. So I, I would like to, you know, see this thing through. I, I think that there's a lot, you know, Anthony and I have a lot of potential um, to fill, you know, a niche that's that 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 is, you know, baseball and the internet. Um, you know, there's one one of the things we're working on is a platform to onboard, you know, club baseball teams and youth baseball teams onto the internet uh, with, with a website that's, you know, professional quality for uh, an affordable price. Help youth baseball teams with you know, get on the internet. And so that's, that's one of the things that we're trying to do. We're trying, that's uh, the, our top scalable product that we're working on right now. And aside from the, you know, the independent jobs that we have. Well, the interesting part about Mitch Horsek for a variety of reasons, obviously uh, pitcher, uh, professional baseball player, uh, entrepreneur, uh, tremendous patience, tremendous tenacity. Kind of the last question I have for you, what is the best trait that you have that enables you to succeed broadly in any context in this in this environment. That's a great question, and I and I would say it's it's a lesson that I've learned just in baseball, and that is when you get knocked down, you got to be able to pick yourself back up. You know, uh, you can go back and look at some of my outings in professional baseball. You know, I I, I got I got kicked, I got my butt kicked uh, many times, and you know it's it, I think it's a, a redeemable skill to be able to pick yourself back up off floor and get going again and and you know persevere persevere and prevail and you know that's something that I think that professional baseball teaches just about every player and I think it's you know what's helped me you know starting this little company during the pandemic you know we're getting kicked kicked to the ground and you know how, how do you respond and so I think that might be the best trait ladies and gentlemen you're gonna be watching Mitch no matter where as a success story uh, it's great he's in the minor leagues and he's great to be around. Honored to spend some time with him. Well, you can't feel sorry for Mitch Horacek, obviously, because of his Dartmouth degree, but you can certainly feel concerned for thousands of athletes at all levels who are caught in the COVID pandemic just like everybody else. Welcome in to the Esports Minute of Keeping Score with Rick Coro. I'm Mitch Reams from the Esports Network. Every esport has to make a tough decision when it comes to costs. 
Sports are no stranger to startup costs. Good luck playing most sports without some money on equipment. For basketball, it's 10 to 20 bucks for a ball. For golf, good luck getting on the tee box for under a grand. But esports have it a bit different. All games take money for development, but many are free, opting for other revenue models over time. There are three main camps that might have dwindled down to two this week. The first is to be free to play. Those games include Fortnite, League of Legends, Hearthstone, and announced this week, Rocket League. The games earn money by leveraging microtransactions. Sometimes they are purely changes to characters that don't impact gameplay at all, that's true of League of Legends and Fortnite, but other times the microtransactions lock key pieces of games behind paywalls. To be successful, you're probably going to either have to grind the game or pay some money. This is true of Hearthstone and most mobile esports. The second camp that's mostly faded out is cheap but not free, games usually costing about 20 bucks. This camp appears to be gone with Rocket League's choice, but it also used to include Counter-Strike, which became free in 2018. Finally, there's the classic new game price of $59.99. This is the price of almost every new video game at any retailer. Esports in this range include the sports simulations, that's Madden, FIFA, NBA 2K, etc., Call of Duty, and Overwatch. But just because these games cost more upfront does not mean they don't have microtransactions. In fact, in the case of the sports simulations, they usually cost more money to play esports modes than even free-to-play games. There are a ton of takeaways from this divide, but in the age of games as a service model, it appears the trend is pushing towards free games that evolve and draw people into spending hundreds over time. That won't happen if they never buy the game in the first place. In addition, the sports sims are generally struggling for viewers, but being free to play, or at least cheaper, might change that. That's all for the Esports Minute. Now back to Ricoro. Well, let's look at the Sports Tech Minute for this week. And Real Madrid is among four elite European soccer clubs to sign strategic partnerships with Twitch as the global streaming service launches a dedicated sports content channel. Twitch will collaborate with each club on the production of behind-the-scenes content. And as the partnerships progress, Sports Pro noted the increased potential to showcase live youth and first-team friendly matches on the platform, as well as club press conferences. The strategic partnerships have been confirmed alongside the launch of the Twitch Sports standalone content stream, Twitch Sports, which previously coupled with the platform's health and fitness segment, now also takes on its own channel. Day one of the relaunch, we'll see the Twitch Sports channel showcase a range of live programming with the likes of the NBA, Arsenal, House of Highlights, and the UFC, each allocated two-hour time slots to release interactive content. The deals with the European soccer clubs are also part of the greater push for streaming rights. Twitch recently signed a deal to become the National Women's Soccer League exclusive international broadcast partner and is seeking opportunities of a similar stature. That's the Sports Tech Minute. And finally, the Power of Sports Minute, which we talk about during the pandemic as a summary of significant issues that happened during the week. The WNBA dedicated its entire season to Breonna Taylor and social justice issues, Black Lives Matter, and other issues as they prepare for the 22-game regular season and the playoff. Beyond Meat is partnering with the newly formed nonprofit Social Change Fund and the NBA star Chris Paul to help fight health disparities in the black community and beyond. Gold medalist Michael Phelps and Nickelodeon team up to make summer water fun safer for families in the context of the pandemic. NGBs, the national governing bodies, are launching the Giving Games, the 
competition with Team USA and the Olympic and Paralympic Games in an attempt to raise some additional dollars. And finally, during the pandemic, TV viewers have gotten off their couches and lent a hand. More than 40 markets across the country served by the Scripps Company have contributed over $2 million to food banks during the pandemic. Scripps has 51 TV stations in 36 markets, and clearly more is on the way. That's Keeping Score for the week. We'd like to thank all of you who worked on preparing this and certainly thank Mitch Horacek. want you to join us next week when we continue to keep score. Action Images is the global multimedia sports agency of Reuters. Leagues, teams and federations around the world rely on Action Images to create, distribute and monetize their content. Action Images' global footprint means sports media expertise is never far away. For more information, visit actionimages.com.